Tomo estas, friends. Happy New Year 2019. Oh, man. It's, uh, it's Saturday, January 5th, and I'm looking out my window from my home here, and the sun is so uh, sort, of, sort of perfectly bright today. It's about, uh, it's about 1 32 p.m., and um, oh, yeah. It's been, it's just been, uh, it's been not sunny for a while and it feels good. I feel the optimism that I have not felt. I, uh, I wanted to do a, uh, year in review. I'm the kind of guy that some sentimentality, some nostalgia, some review of, of the last year feels good to me. Thanks for listening. Why don't, uh, well, I'll just also say this before I jump in. I really, I really feel the weight of, uh, of existential crisis. And I often, I'm, and, I, and I'm maybe like you, I'm just a nut for meaning. And uh, one of the things I like to medicate that state of being with is feeling time pass and uh, because time passing feels soothing um, does that mean every memory is great? No. Does that mean every memory is instructive and I did the right thing? No. But I isn't it interesting though the the experience of time passing um so i'm 43 and uh some time has passed oh yes uh i am in all likelihood over the halfway mark of uh existing and uh <laughs> i'm just um i'm just uh someone that I, I think I feel thankful. And so that's part of this too. Um, and and I, I'm thankful for the desire to experience time passing, which I know sounds sort of like uh, overwrought. <laughs> but um, yeah, I had a really good year in 2019. And um, I look forward to sharing some bits and pieces with it. Here we go. January 2018. Well, how are things going then? How did I feel? I gotta say, I was never, I was never overwhelmingly sad during that time, but I should also say I was definitely stressed out. Why was I stressed out? Why, Jeff? Why? I moved into a lovely new home. I live in the nation's neighborhood of Nashville, and I'll even be totally honest with you, it is a tall and skinny, but... To me, it is perfectly shaped. It is perfectly voluptuous. And it is the right, the right height. In fact, it is, an, it is actually tall. And um, anyway, but here's the deal, though. My lovely wife, Tara, and I acquired the home mid-December on paper. We both had a lot going on um, professionally and... First of all, that week-ish of the holidays, th th that month, <laughs> December is always a nutty time if you're even mildly social. And um, I hope I'm at least mildly social. <laughs> but um, I also was, knew I was traveling. Tara and I would travel to see my parents in Virginia. Uh, we'll see, during Christmas Day. So my big point is we got the house and I up until quite recently had uh, had been owning my own condominium. So Tara owned her condominium. I owned my condominium. We got married in 2016. And I, I became a lord of land, a landlord. And the short of it is I am not cut out for that kind of work. Not because I, I can't do it, but because... I, my personality is not very good with being a landlord. <laughs> so, um, got out of that 
here's the deal. Sold that property at the same time we purchased this property and we're holding on to Tara's property. And I needed to get the, the uh, condo that I had was furnished and it was not furnished with furniture with a few exceptions. It was like 85 or 90% furniture. No one was going to keep <laughs> for, for like us. And uh, it needed to get out of there because the seller, excuse me, I was a seller. The buyer of that home was ready to get in there. I had sold it to him right at the end of the year in December of 2017. And he was ready to get in there. But I had to, A, let my tenant know that he was on his way out. And B, start getting an entire condo's worth of bachelor pad level furniture and stuff out. <laughs> And um, a moving company was involved, so I don't want this to be too, too sad. But man, just sorting through stuff, um, that that's a little tedious. So, I uh, the month of January, I was A, moving in here, B, moving out of the first week and a half of January 2018, I was making constant trips to my old condominium to get non to get not huge items out and either get them to a goodwill or in a lot of cases we were storing them in our garage here until we can maybe sell a few things on Craigslist and the C of it is um we were fixing up Terrace condo because we <laughs> I said I wasn't a landlord I am still landlord with that, but we had um, we had a family deal where uh, a member of our family was uh, and and their spouse were going to live in that. So um, I guess I am still a landlord, but not. It's a little more chill than um, just being like a a full out one because it's a family situation. So, but that condo needed work. It needed painting. It needed a tiny bit of remodeling, and. I was, and then moving, so moving into my own house, moving out of my bachelor pad, and then maintaining this other thing, it was so much work. I was constantly just scurrying between the three locations. The three locations um, were, were thankfully not far from one another, like within 10 minutes drive uh, between any of them, but, um, oh man, and I was working full time with Vanderbilt, my regular job, and uh, um, it was a nutty time. There was... There was an inordinate amount of takeout food that I consumed, an inordinate amount of alcoholic beverages. Not that I was like getting wasted, just just wanting. If you if you ever have to do moving related stuff, it's not that it's inactive, but you just. I mean, I don't know how it is for you. I just at some point I'm like, I cannot believe I'm going to move one more thing up up or down another flight of stairs. Again, I believe I'm going to see one more round of dust bunnies underneath one more thing I haven't looked under in forever. I can't believe I'm going to discover a little problem with the new house that I think the sellers are still under contract to fix, but I'm going to have to contact them about this too. It was a steady cycle of little things and... I don't think Tara and I quit fighting about house-related stuff. <laughs> I don't mean bad fights, but little, little, we were both just tired all the time, <laughs> like every single day and night. And um, I think truly by March of 2018, we had achieved some level of zen um, around our life because things had settled into place. But man... Um, moving, moving for most of us is, uh, moving for most of us is a challenge. And this was just more of more. And, uh, so I, that was January, but let's, you know, let's move, let's move, let's move. February, 2018. Well, I'll tell you one thing. This has become a tradition for me, for Tara and for a good handful of, uh, my friends, the Black Abbey Brewing Company does this eight more beers of winter. It's a play off of Groundhog Day. And Black Abbey, they're, they're planners. They plan in advance. They do all this 
Um, they do all of this storing of beers in booze barrels, gin barrels, bourbon barrels, um, rum barrel. And they store their beers in those barrels for like months in advance. And then they, they come out, they get born like a day or two before the first Saturday of February. And I got to tell you, that is some of the most delicious, like specialty tasting beer I've ever had. So it's, and it's coming up this year. Am I paid to make this advertisement for Black Abbey? I wish. Um, one thing that happened, one thing that happened, uh, that I had needed, well, that might be in quotes. I, th I think it's for real needed. I, so my life has ended up in this beer and hymns pub sing, uh, category. And I regularly lose my voice during those gigs. I mean, I don't lose it totally, but I mean, I, I do not have a voice. So those gigs are like two and a half hours, including the breaks, give or take a few minutes. And I, I love to sing. I am a moderate vocal ability person. I have moderate ability. I have, to my opinion, I have below average longevity. And I've never spent any focus time getting any help with that. Mainly just, I was like, well, great, one more thing I don't have time for. I discovered a guy on the internet in February, Bulent Gunnarolp. He is a lovely Turkish-American. And I don't know... Look, are, are some of you guys doing Skype... Or FaceTime, or I know there's oh Google Hangouts. Are you doing that some of the time? Are you comfortable with that? How does that make you feel? Well, I'll just tell you, I never feel very comfortable doing that. It always is. Um, it's a little too much eye contact. <laughs> and um, Bulin and I started with our original voice lesson. I think it was February 16th. I looked it up, and for an hour and a half. Two strangers sang on and off. I mean, I was, we were also doing some learning. I mean, I was doing a lot of, Bullet wasn't learning much, except he may have a nutty new client. Um, I got to tell you, it started from a very modest internet search and through a random finding of listings, uh, Bullet was taking new students. So Bullet, by the way, he's in, it's outside of, it's outside of, uh, the Boston area. I can't remember the exact town. I used to know this. Um, it's in Massachusetts, though. So it's way up, way out. An hour ahead of Nashville. Yes, I have messed up our lessons, our subsequent lessons, because of that. But uh, we have, we went on in the course of 2018. I haven't counted up the, the full tally, but I think it was well over 20 lessons. An hour each. I know what you're thinking. Well, how is your voice, sir? And so I would like to perform an aria for you. Not now. Uh, no, I truly, so, you know what? Good singing is good technique. Good technique in singing, it comes down to this, good breathing. Using one's diaphragm, lungs, and throat slash voice slash head successfully. And I, uh, I truly have learned a ton. And, and I have not lost... I, <laughs> so I, I did... I haven't counted these up. Let's just say I did seven or eight of these kind of ginormous-ish... Uh, Beer and Hymns events in 2018, and I did not lose my voice totally in any of them, and didn't have the sense of strain, especially by the last the last gig or two in December, although I did have a cold, and I still have a cold, 
um, the remnants of one. Uh, my voice is still not 100%, so there's that. It even sounds a little raspy maybe today. But I, uh, I definitely, I've, here's the deal. I have strengthened my upper register, which is where I kind of lose my voice by singing high, if, you, if that makes sense. It's high, high register. I've strengthened it by practicing a bunch in lower register. I'm essentially a baritone who has, and even Bulent, who's a great voice instructor and, and highly trained, um, he has used the word, Jeff, you may be a baritoner, which I don't really even know what that means, other than I have some miniature ability in the tenor range and can hit a few higher notes in the tenor range. Uh, but but using a combination of breathing and a combination of just strengthening my voice in the lower register, that has made me a better singer overall and definitely has helped my longevity. And I'm a happier camper. Moving right along. What else happened in February 2018? How about this? How about I had an experience in the years prior getting to know a tiny bit, but getting excited a lot of it um, around a local politician? And I'm a student, like maybe all of us are in some way. We're students of politics, the movement of power. It goes here, it goes there. It's levied here, it's levied there. It's understood here, it's misunderstood there. It's misunderstood when a good politician ends up in a romantic relationship with their chief security detail. And so what I'm talking about in case, uh, well, what I'm talking about is Megan Barry, former mayor of Nashville, Megan Barry. I had gotten to know her. I bet a lot of people hadn't gotten to know her uh, a little bit, a little bit professionally, like meaning uh, I, well, I definitely, I guess I got to know her a lot through the different things that she was, um, you know, putting out there and, and the different things she's attending and the kinds of circles that she would fraternize with. And um, my, my greater comment is I trusted her. And I had friend, I even have a, a dear friend who worked closely in her top administration. And um, we would talk about her and the good things she was doing. And the months of, let's see, she was voted in 20, how did it all go? Was she sworn in in 2016? <clears throat> Excuse me. The timeline is a little sketchy in my head. I met Megan Barry personally once or twice, let's just say 2015, with Tara. Tara and I were like, oh my gosh, she's so normal. She's just like us. And I still think that's true. <laughs> but uh, man, oh man, oh man. Fast forward. Um, it was a difficult thing. In February last year, it went from something I was like, ah, oh, the haters are hating. It's not a big deal. To, hmm. To finally, I was like, I really hope that the mayor that I really, of any town I've ever lived in, of any mayoral story I've ever cared about, this was the biggest and best and most shiny and interesting. And you probably know that Megan Barry turned heads in New York and out West. She was the face of the New South in many ways when it comes to to organic politics, uh, Megan Barry's husband, Bruce Barry. I don't know him personally, but he's a part of the Vanderbilt faculty family for sure and is really a, a he's an amazing tenure faculty in the Owen School at Vanderbilt. I've talked with him a few times, just a funny, super bright guy, um, funny, way left politics that have helped uh, give me some mooring. <laughs> and, um, so it felt, and then, oh, and then just uh, in a very, very modest, minor way, I contributed to the campaign for Megan Barry. So by the end of it all, I was ready for her to go. By the end, by the time that she did step down, I was like, this is the best thing. That was dramatic. And I'll remember it probably the rest of my life. I, I will say more about Megan Barry through a secondary thing. In a minute. Let's see here. 
March 2018. I did a couple things that were fun. Um, I should just say, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is just March. March means St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and St. Patrick's Day means revel. Is it revelry or revelry? I forget. The one that means partying. And um, I think revelry is like a trumpet exercise. <laughs> Let's go with revelry as what I associate with St. Patrick's Day. What day of the week was St. Patrick's Day 2018? You do not have to pull this up because I am here for you. It was Saturday. The Beer and Hymns group was fortunate to have that date agreed ahead of time with Mercy Lounge. And to my uh, delight... The Jameson Company, via Black Abbey, who is our longtime and special partner with all of our beer and hymns, they had been, I mean, I mentioned the, uh, I mentioned the uh, beers of winter business uh, um, for a while, for a couple years, excuse me, for a couple years, uh, Black Abbey and Jameson, Black Abbey has been putting their beer in Jameson's barrels for that February thing I mentioned where the beers take on a special like uh, barrel tinge and flavor. And so it actually progressed and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. It progressed a bit and uh, the Jameson people are like, man, we really love what you're doing. Let's go further and let's make, if I understand the process right, let's put some of our, our whiskey in your beer uh, containers. And, I, and maybe I'm saying this right, like a beer barrel, if that's still a thing. So it's kind of gone, it's gone like in both directions now. And the big point for that beer and hymns on St. Patrick's Day at Mercy Lounge, Jameson representatives were there from the old country. And a few of them got up and welcomed the crowd. So they did. And I was, I just felt like that was cool. And uh, Jameson was enjoyed responsibly before, during... And ever since, uh, there's a Jameson, uh, specialty whiskey that's called the stout, uh, and you can find it in, in finer stores, but the Jameson stout whiskey, uh, my favorite, my favorite, uh, more colorful adult beverage of the, of the year. I'm just going to say it. I didn't know I was going to say that and now I've said it. It feels good to say it. I also earlier in the month I went to the ballet ball, the late party. It's at the Skirmerhorn Symphony Center. My wife is a staff member at the Skirmerhorn Symphony Center. It's such a beautiful space. It's an intriguing space. Uh, it's unlike any space I know of in Nashville, and they have a giant dance party. And I'm here to invite you, friend, if you're local or if you want to make yourself more local um, for this and go to the late party. It's uh, it's it's a fundraiser. It's not inexpensive, but it's not that expensive. And the food and beverage you get out of it are are great. And here's the fun part. <laughs> Let's put a few things together. It's a dance party. It's a fundraiser for the ballet. Guess who joins you on the dance floor. It's the ballet company. I don't know if every single person from the company does, but um, a lot. So here I was giving some, you know, sweet shoulder shrug, hip, jank, slightly creepy, slightly crazy uh, moves. And I end up seeing... Right beside me, my favorite uh, ballet uh, star from the, the Nashville Ballet, and it's uh, Nicholas Schur, S-C-H-E-U-R, if, if I've got that right. Um, Nicholas is originally from Brazil, and truly, I don't, I don't know much. I don't know much about much. I don't know much about ballet, for sure. Nicholas, who I've watched for a couple years, uh, thanks to Tara helping me get some education in ballet and going to the ballet. Uh, Nicholas is who you want. He's your guy. He's got ballet moves that are so strong and so invigorating to watch. And his body is 
epically, uh, just so much ability, so much strength and grace. Truly a graceful male ballet star of the likes I have never even conceived, much less seen. And he's, he's probably mid-20s, late-20s, and there I am dancing with him. Okay, I was doing most of the dancing. He was sort of watching me, but he's right beside me, and we shared a few words. We made a joke or two about life in general and about the ballet ball. And I just had a great night that night. It was a great memory, and this is what... Um, these are the kinds of things I care to keep from fading in to distance. What else happened in April? Let's move on to April. How is this going for you? Is the review pleasant? Let's just keep going. There's stuff. There's more. April. I think it was around the first week of April. Tara, who is in, oh, sorry, she just graduated in the last few weeks. She was in the Belmont University Masters of Business program. Part of her deal was being a, uh, part of her degree earning was, was being in international business. She traveled in 2017 to Peru. In 2018, this is all like class trips, so it's like part of the tuition, which is awesome. And so she goes to Argentina, like truly, I think it was like, around 16 days just a major trip it's mendoza argentina the the beautiful uh rugged wine country of argentina and her class <laughs> project she's there with like let's say 15 other belmont mbas her class project is to work and help strengthen the marketing plan for an argentine winery Which, of course, means learning about the product. I got to tell you, of all of, the, um, of all the smooth moves of 2018, that was one of the smoothest. Of course, I missed her. She was gone a long time. Um, during that time, we, we, uh, we did do FaceTime, and uh, we, we obviously kept in touch during that time. But I was home alone, home in the new house, and... Remember how I was saying in the first part of the year there was a lot of takeout food and a lot of drinking of adult beverages? Well, guess who... How should I put this? There was a lot of me to love by April. I was not able to fit into a pretty decent segment of clothes hanging in my closet, in my, in my lovely new closet. Desperate times, desperate measures... Um, you've heard of this. You've probably looked askance when someone mentioned this. I've done this before, and I look askance when I think about doing this past, present, future. <laughs> but the master cleanse where you just drink a combination of, uh, this, it's a concoction you drink a lot of. It's, it's part, it's a bunch of water. It's some fresh squeezed lemon juice. And then it's, a smallish amount of a high-grade organic maple syrup, and then it's cayenne pepper, like seasoned to taste, which is a funny phrase when you're talking about this stuff. But that's all you do. And the minimum master cleanse is 10 days. While Tara was in Argentina, living it up, I was, I was becoming more and more... I'm not sure if it was focused or unfocused, but I was definitely releasing the idea of eating for 10 days. Um, and that's it. You also do an herbal tea every night. And I'll just be totally honest with you. The herbal tea called Smooth Move. I'll just let you figure out what that means. The, the cleanse was fine. I can't, but it's, it was part, it, it, and I've done it before, but I had not done it seriously in several years, like maybe eight years. Um, I, the, the number one thing that came out of that was I sort of got my cravings and I'm using this word more of in a colloquial way than not, but the, the sense of addiction, addic addicting oneself to 
um, especially carbs of all varieties, simple and complex. Um, I broke those, and then, of course they come back if you if you mess with it. There's more to say, and I've even said it earlier in this podcast, not this episode, but um, I want to talk maybe before we go about keto, which came into focus later, uh, the ketogenic diet. But man, I uh, I finally could fit back into most of my clothes after the cleanse. I lost about 10 pounds, which is normal, you know, and everybody's like, but it's just water weight. Well, hey man, when you're just trying to get those sweet, sweet Levi's back on, I'll take it however I can get it. Um, I'm a member of a book club. You can join this book club. It's it's wide open. It's part of the Nashville Public Library system. It is uh, Books and Brews. Of course, and it's funny the way life goes, I'm maybe overly affiliated with Black Abbey Brewing, but the, the book club meets once a month on a Saturday morning at 11 a.m., uh, but they're responsible for some great books that I went through and then discussed. I know that in April I read The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. And I don't think I've really come clean with with anybody until now. I read that book in high school. I found it hard to sort of concentrate on. And I, I, I hope I've become more readerly and more... Um, I think more, well, just more thoughtful and more mature and appreciative of the book. Uh, I read it again, you know, last year and, and I started, oh, I should say I started reading it and I just found it, I found it tedious. It's not that I couldn't read it or couldn't get it, but I just like, this is not fun and I could be doing something else that was at least, at least moderately productive instead of doing something that's making me a little bit coarse and angry so here's my confession there's like a 1955 movie version of it it's really good it's really well i should say the story is is a little bit um sad it is a lot sad but it captures a particular time in american and european life in a particular way of understanding the world in that time. And I was fascinated by that. And I really enjoyed the movie. The movie of Sun Also Rises, uh, I'm not going to be able to remember. There's no superstars that I can remember right off the top of my head. But this would be, oh man, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not sure who's in it. But it's I recommend it. And then I went back to the book club and I didn't tell them. I'd seen the movie. So I was on a little bit, I was a little bit extra. Like I maybe, I maybe should have told him that. Um, I saw a lot of great music in the year of 2018. There's a band Wolf Alice that I went to with, um, my dear friend, Ryan saw them at third and Lindsley. And it was just a great show. Uh, Wolf Alice, if you like sort of like straight ahead meat and potatoes uh, rock and roll fronted by a a lovely female uh, vocalist who's got all the chops and all the strength you can handle. Um, She's just outstanding and really appreciated her. Other concerts, I'll just kind of hit these. Uh, I saw David Byrne on May 6th at the Ryman. Truly, truly outstanding. You probably haven't heard of this band that I saw May 26th. U2 at Bridgestone Arena. Um, went with that to Tara, who had never seen U2 before. Um, not a... Not a happy thing, but kind of in the public, kind of in the public lexicon was the death of Anthony Bourdain. Excuse me, that was a brief sip of coffee. Man, I just I I I really felt shocked by 
his taking of his own life. Maybe you felt the same way. I think a lot of us in the world felt that way because here's the main reason why. He was really good at being honest with himself, I thought. And I I also, um, I want to give him all the room in the world to have some amount of uh, anxiety and depression that was either um, diagnosed in some way or undiagnosed. Um, I need to be okay with not understanding, to detach from, from understanding what the why of his death. Let me focus on the good parts of the experience of him in, in a way that struck me as truly spiritual, truly the word religious comes from ligament or the idea, uh, like the, the word, the idea of, of connecting things, of tying things together, of, of um, like, like the way bones are kept in place by ligaments, uh, the human body, the, 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 the body, uh, ligaments are part of it. Uh, Anthony provided ligaments, if you will, metaphorically to disparate parts of the world. And he did it obviously through food. I mean, that was his thing. He he had this, it's just, it's truly profound and also incredibly convenient and, and, and comfortable as an idea. <laughs> the idea of, oh, everyone eats, everyone experiences um, hunger and, and, and feeding that hunger. And it's a very human thing. The idea, I think one of the, one of the great episodes of the last, maybe the last two seasons that I know of, and I have not seen every every episode, but he goes to West Virginia, goes to coal mining area in a little town there, and sits down in a house with a very sweet, intelligent um, family and probably a few friends of the family, but they eat the food that is common in that area. And it's like primarily casseroles and uh, breads and maybe like chicken. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not like wealthy people's food. He even starts that episode talking about the likelihood that the majority of this area voted far different than he would vote. And um, for reasons that you would vote that way, if you were in the coal industry, and he goes, here's a big point. He goes out of his way in that episode to treat the many characters in that small West Virginia town with kindness and dignity. And you know it's coming where they're going to sit down and eat. And then when they finally eat together, uh, it's just so, it's so human. It's a crescendo of the essence of being human is eating together, I think you could say. And, uh, I'm going to go back and rewatch that. I haven't watched it since his death, so that would be a sort of redemptive uh, response. But yeah, I uh I st I still think about um I still think about Bourdain. Uh quick shout out, I saw a comedian I think has no equal. <laughs> it's Zany's uh mid-June, I think it was I have here June 15th. These notes in front of me. Saw Todd Berry. Have you seen Todd Berry? Todd Berry's primary comedic ability is crowd work. Crowd work is where you just, you could say, uh, pick on. But the folks that quote unquote get picked on, they also are sitting very close to the front of wherever club, venue, stage, etc. that Todd Berry would be at. So they, <laughs> they kind, they've signed up for it. And so, there, and there, by the way, I think it's still on Netflix. Uh, Todd Berry on Netflix. I think it might just be called like Crowdwork Special or something. If that doesn't make you laugh, because <laughs> he's, it's all the best part of it. It's just improvised. It's just him riffing, and it's people saying things in the moment that cause Todd to respond a certain way. It's a very dry response. Todd's a master of sort of keeping this game face. And I, uh, so he comes to Nashville 
and uh, works the room a little bit there. I, you know what? I did sit close to the front. I sort of, it went, but it wasn't right in the front. He did not call me out or be like, hey, so who are you? And that's kind of how he does it. Or hey, he's like, you know, who here is with their wife or whatever. He is, he is very general the way he starts the things. Um, but yeah, that didn't happen to me. It did happen. I remember at some point, somebody in the Nashville crowd volunteered that they work for, I think it was Christian Music. And Todd didn't have, I feel like his world does not touch that world at all. So he didn't have anything too funny to rip on with that. It was a very funny night. I'm so glad I saw him. I've actually got a picture with him. It's in my Instagram feed. If you care to see it, uh, Tara went with me and we had a really lovely time and it was very nice to meet him just really briefly at the end there and he kindly took a picture with us. Um, so, worth remembering. There was a beer and hymns that we did July 1st. And my favorite thing about that, other than just the chance to be with everybody and do a giant pub sing, singing mostly patriotic songs, which are usually considered hymns, which is a little bit odd. And I think troubling, but um, hiring an Abe Lincoln impersonator ahead of time. It wasn't advertised. No one really knew it was going to be there. And having, he needs, comes out, and this guy, oh man, what's his name? Really, really nice guy. I should have made sure I knew this ahead of time. Oh man, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember. Um, local. Abe Lincoln. He's one of the best Abe Lincoln impersonators in the country. Truly, if you go to his website, you could just look up uh, Abe Lincoln impersonator Nashville and it would come up. Um, he has performed everywhere, including the White House. Uh, but he, we hire him for our gig and he comes out of the blue and, and uh, performs pieces of Abe Lincoln's... Uh, it wasn't Gettysburg Address. No, it was another great speech. And it was... Everyone was just arrested by the passion that Abe Lincoln brought both vocally and his stature and his outfit. Um, he was truly uh, an outstanding performer and impersonator. His, a picture with him is also in my Instagram feed. I think if you just look up my name, you can see these things. Uh, and I believe my Instagram is at littlegeo, L-I-T-T-L-E-G-E-O. I went to the Wild Goose Festival in, let's see, yeah, mid-July, and I added on a couple of days, and I was on the front end of the festivals from the Thursday through the Sunday, and I went. I, I showed up at this cabin. I rented a cabin in the middle of nowhere. There is one, two, three other, a combination of like the, the owner of the cabins and then a few other guests stay there. So it's not totally isolated. But after those handful of little homes, it's very isolated. And it is so quiet. There's a porch on this one cabin that is the best. And it you're way up on top of this hillside. And that porch is like holy ground because you, all you hear is, is you can occasionally might hear a car down a far road, but the vast majority of the time it's just quiet, like unusually quiet forest. And you might hear a bird or an owl or something um, every now and then it rains. So obviously there's that, but man, I sat out on that porch. I had time so thankful to have this just this time to just um, reflect, journal. I listened to some podcasts. I listened to some YouTube videos of a combination of literary podcasts and uh, spirituality-related podcasts. All of that, um, just really good. It's like I would go back and forth between being inspired and then being reflective and being emotive. Um, they're really... One of the things that I'm learning about myself is uh, a response to moderate levels of anxiety and moderate levels of depression is just to get stuff out. 
And it helps it gets back to what, we're ta- what I was talking about at the beginning there. Just that idea of it helps to see me see time pass and allow that to be, ah, oh, this is how this goes. This is how this feels. Uh, because I'm old enough a lot of the time to have some experience of, oh, there's some experience of being here before. There's some experience of being mature around this emotional energy for good or bad or what have you. I dressed up and did something bizarre at work in the very last day or two of July. I have questions about why I did this, but I'll just tell you. It's a funny memory. I don't want to forget it. I'd been sent an email at work of, and and I should also, I volunteer for a couple of like staff advisory council kinds of things, like for all Vanderbilt staff. It's really pretty good. It's a chance to learn more about the university and learn more about colleagues and but they also send you like volunteering information, which is fine. But they were like, hey, here's the three bags of microwave popcorn. And also uh, some real, they're like little tiny, like uh, super small, like you might get. And like <laughs> the idea that comes to mind is an antique store, although that's probably not normal. Those little red and white striped bags, which you put popcorn in when they're in a little glass case. And I've had that before at an antique store. And I'm sure it happened. It might, it might happen in other places too. But anyway, three bags of popcorn and then a bunch of these red and white bags in an, in an inter office envelope with like one sheet saying, We can't wait to celebrate Popcorn Day with you, you and other valued uh, staff of Vanderbilt. And join with others in your office and celebrate the good times of being a staff together. It was like really vague language. And I went with, I went to a couple other volunteers that I saw were in the email. And I was like, first of all, the amount of people that are invited to this are over, on my floor are over 60 people. Now, not that many is going to show up, but let's just say, let's just say like half of them show up. Well, then you got 30 people. And so they've given us three bags of popcorn to microwave. And then you're going to just tell people, hey, so nice to be with you. We are so cheap. We have hardly any popcorn for you. And uh, I was like, this party, I th- I have an idea. And uh, first of all, my my super great fellow uh, ca- colleagues on this on the staff council thing were like, well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out more popcorn. But Jeff, you should do this idea you're you're describing to us. And so on the day of the popcorn party, there's a bunch of popcorn. I mean, we totally crushed getting more popcorn. And then I wore a seersucker suit top, a bow tie. I tie myself barely because I can barely remember how to do that every single time. I had a a wig like a kind of like a a Beatles hair wig like when the Beatles had long hair kind of like that, that funny long hair and it was kind of blown back <laughs> the wig I had in advance some other podcast I'll I'll talk about my wigs and then I also had fake teeth buck teeth and I showed up and I immediately was in character when I showed up at this party. And these are people I actually work with. So that's th- when I retell the story, I'm remembering that they have seen me. It's either at my height or it probably more likely my lowest. But I, I had a little thing I'd put together, like three-ish minutes of content. And I was like, so nice to be with you. I am Steve Redenbacher. I am not as the lawyers have had me begin to note, I am not a representative of the Redenbacher, nor Kraft Food, Inc., nor the stock uh, holder directors of any of these involved companies, and I do not in any way represent any of the popcorn uh, entities uh, under penalty of perjury. But I am Steve Redenbacher, and I'm here on a day unlike any day popcorn day and through no small investment from the leaders of your council i have shown up 
to reflect on the greatness of popcorn. So many have thought that popcorn is something that has grown beside other corn, amidst other corn. Not at all. Popcorn is a specialty crop grown in specialty environments throughout the United States and Central Americas. And I uh, find popcorn immensely uh, valuable despite its ubiquity, despite how it's available in virtually any snack environment we come across in the United States. In fact, I enjoy, in so many words, I went on to say, I enjoy finishing handful after handful of fresh pop popcorn with corn syrup. And just to let you know, I had beside me this plastic bottle of corn syrup, but I had emptied out all the corn syrup, which is clear, and put in water and a tiny bit of food coloring, which it's like the tiniest yellow tint, which it looked like corn syrup. And then if you do it, if you do this, um, if you do this prop right, you can just chug it and no one can really tell if it's thick or thin. I mean, water's a lot thinner. But then I was like, let me show you how it's done. And then I just chugged this bottle of what everyone thought was corn syrup. And I let a little bit dribble out of the two sides of my mouth onto my onto my coat, etc. And then I just stopped and stared with my buck teeth and looked around at everybody with wide eyes and said, I do not feel good. And then I rushed out of the room. And what you would think would happen <laughs> is that I might have like come back into the room. I hadn't really thought through what I was going to do after I did the skit. And it was only like 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Anyway, I uh I was not I was not permanently relieved of any duties or even even temporarily. The the people did not revolt against me. I didn't say anything or do anything that apparently was that over the top. But I I got to say that my popcorn day uh experience, I may have overdone it and no one really has talked about it since. So there's that. Um nobody at work. I feel like I probably lost a few friends at work, a few people I didn't work with directly. I feel like they probably have distance from me. Let's see here. Um, so my birthday is in August. August 7th. Um, what's interesting? All I really wanted to do for my birthday was relax <laughs> and not do anything like really expensive or and my lovely wife is a runner and I'm a runner she's more of a runner than I am but we found a trail trail is probably it isn't quite accurate it's this former railroad path in Ashland City which is about mm, 45 minutes drive from West Nashville and um I can get anybody info if they want it it's not hard to find I think it's called like Ashland City Greenway or something like that but it's this really wide, it former, formerly there was railroad and rail ties there, but there's, because of that, there's some bridges, and it is this very scenic run, and it goes about three and a half, four miles, and then, so if you go out and back, it's uh, obviously seven or eight miles, and um, we did it, we did the whole thing, and it was hot, it was probably like 10 a.m. when we started, and uh it was just, it was some, we both had heard other friends talk about it and we went and did it and that was great. And then I was like, we planned this ahead of time. I was like, Tara, your lovely parents have a lovely swimming pool out in Brentwood. All I want to do is hang out the second half of the day at your parents' pool. That's there's, I was absolutely welcome to be there if they want, but I just want to hang out there. And, um, and her parents were so kind, got, some snacks and beverages and uh made sure the pool was available and then they joined they came home later and we had a really 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 good time and it was a really it was a really great birthday i i'm all about going out and and you know fun stuff too but that was just a different kind of birthday and i have a fond memory 
went to a city in August for the first time. I've never been too fortunate to do that because of uh, work, like a work conference situation. But I went to the lovely city of Pittsburgh. And I think it was a direct Southwest flight. I might be wrong. Maybe went through Baltimore. <coughs> Excuse me. I... I went, so the conference was a fundraising uh, research conference, which I, that's my career field, and uh, it was just really good. I stayed, there's, I stayed in uh, a Drury Inn. My joke is, you know, that is the worst name. It sounds like dreary, but they're a huge chain, and this Drury Inn in Pittsburgh downtown was super nice, and the staff, super nice. I would totally go back to Pittsburgh, stay exactly where I stayed. It was not terribly expensive for staying in that kind of city. Pittsburgh is one of these great, like, titular American cities. Uh, a titan of the steel industry. Obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers steal. I'm not smart about these kind of things. How does it go? Like, you get the iron out of the mountain and the iron makes steel. Is that kind of how it goes? Anyway... Um, steel was this amazing, uh, export from Pittsburgh. Let's just say from like, I'm guessing like 1800 to probably like, let's say like 1950 or something. All the buildings in Pittsburgh are giant. It's not quite as high as New York city, but man, and, and uh, there's all these bridges that are built like, I mean, it is crazy, like, this the sense of fortification of structures in Pittsburgh and downtown area of that area is so substantial. And we were staying downtown, and so I got a chance to, to visit around downtown. It, there's a sense with Pittsburgh that um, there's a bit of a, a revival, a renaissance of, of, of uh, activities and people uh, moving and living down in the downtown area, and... There's a lot of there's also a sense that there's not a lot going on downtown at night, so you got to be careful um, in some parts because it's a little bit shady at parts. Like Nashville's downtown is much more vibrant at night, but our buildings are nowhere near as big, and it's the it's the it's the inverse for Pittsburgh. And I was just like, this is a, a, a dear buddy Mitch was with me, a colleague, and um, we were like, this is just different, and really enjoy Pittsburgh. Oh, there's the Andy Warhol Museum there. He was from there. I did not know that. He was there till like age 18, and then he went to Nueva York to begin his career in and out of like, excuse me, in and out of like the uh, history, sorry, in and out of like magazine business. Um, what else? How are we doing? This is a longer podcast. How is your... Uh, endurance with listening to this. I, I'm just looking for like the most interesting thing. Some things are interesting to me on this page. Um, page of notes that I made. I uh, had a really good September and October. I went to Knoxville with the beer and hymns. Uh, biz in in uh, we had never done a show really or we traveled we had a we rented a van I rented us a van <laughs> like four of us were the singers and three of us were the instrumentalists and we we did uh, for the first time outside of middle Tennessee we all wrote together and we all did um, I mean it was totally the rock star life of feeling completely stressed out, of almost being late to the gig, of almost being late to start time, of not being able to find a shipment of glass mugs you had shipped to the venue. There's somewhere in this cavernous multi-level restaurant, bar, and venue space called Cafe Four in the square room in Knoxville. But some dear friends were both in attendance in the audience, including my dear friend, uh, Lindsay. And uh, everything landed. Everyone got there and got home safely. I mean, we were all riding together, so that was kind of on me. <laughs> but, but also Jim Hughes, total friend, uh, helped out with um, the driving and also the singing. Yeah. And uh, 
It's a good memory. We was down and back. We got back at like two in the morning or whatever. This, Knoxville's an hour ahead. Have you been to Knoxville? I like Knoxville. It's um, I, it must be an older city than Nashville. It's got obviously the University of Tennessee's there, and um, it's got its own thing going, and it's just nice to really, you know, you're still in Tennessee, so you have you have a lot of associations, but um. It's just nice to see how another city does it. I feel like, so the main cities in Tennessee, the, the main biggest cities, uh, Knoxville, Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga. Each of those cities has, just to my opinion, I just like, they, these are really, these are just really unique uh, energies that keep these cities on the up and up. And um, I just like that. I, it would not, you know, if I, if, if I made a plan to visit each of those cities, well, obviously not Nashville. If I made a plan to visit those other three cities um, in a kind of a, in kind of a tourist way, um, that's a good plan. Uh, let's just keep pretending Black Abbey is sponsoring this, but Black Abbey is in, I think they're in all three cities. Um, they just started doing stuff in Memphis recently, very recently. Uh, Thanksgiving was good in November. Tara has some lovely relatives. They're about, it's about 40 miles away from here, and it's towards Smyrna, and then it's like a left turn and a left turn out of Smyrna. And they live in this beautiful several acres and uh it's really nice and <laughs> it's really it is so not city it is very country and uh i ought to go visit those relatives more because it's nice out there it's truly not in the city i just keep saying that but it's just so true <clears throat> the holidays were just here and i mean technically if you celebrate epiphany I think we're still in the holidays, but I don't want to do, I don't want to, I don't want to be, be like that. Not on this podcast. The, the thing I would like to end with is, uh, I really felt a sense of bookend this year because how the housing, uh, and the moving business was the hallmark of the, the really December, 2017 Truly, I mean, it's just constant stimulation from from the financing of that of the sales to the actual moving. That was December and January uh, last year, 2017, 2018. And then I got to tell you this: December 14th, just a few weeks ago, uh, we had the nicest celebration with family, primarily family handful of friends, mostly Tara's side of, of, of our friends, uh, and just a handful. Um, it was a celebration. It was, so Tara graduated from Belmont grad school on, uh, that night, a little earlier, like 5 PM or so. And then we came back to our new house and it, my mom and dad drove in all the way from, uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, <coughs> excuse me, and they so obviously they were there for both the ceremony and then the reception after and then when we had the best the best new reception sorry i said that wrong the best reception in the new house and oh well christmas tree was up we had a nice live christmas tree this year that we got um and i uh the feelings of so being so stressed and so overstimulated from, from the move were just such a, a total uh, thing locked into the past <laughs> because this get together uh, was probably like a total of 20 people, maybe 25 total. Um, it was just a sweet, sweet gathering. And uh, I just felt so lucky and so happy and also on that night, it's probably worth mentioning, I had never not been, to use a double negative, I had not attend, not before left unattended, uh, a Beer and Hymns event 
one of my BRNMs events, so to speak. Um, and we did that night in Lebanon, Tennessee, at Capitol Theater, was uh, a giant, like truly over 300 ticketed folks were there, and I was nowhere. I was partying with Tara in my home while all that went down. And uh, so I'm just saying it was a major, major event that was planned for ahead of time, and I had so much amazing help from 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 my my colleagues in the Beer and Hems group, my friends in the Beer and Hems group. Uh, they were out there making everything happen and making sure so many little bits and pieces went as as planned for. Um, and I was just I was in my home with with beloved family and friends. So that I don't I don't want to miss the kind of um the kind of boomeranging that you can have in life and how uh how life will take but it will give <laughs> and i felt really nourished that that went down the way that it did on that particular night my parents were in for a couple more days and they hadn't been as a pair to nashville in several years well i take it back they came for my wedding but you know, those of you that have been through the wedding experience, it's it's it is a super whirlwind. You can't really slow down and spend time with people because you're just trying to get through the wedding weekend. So, my mom and dad, in terms of just hanging out in Nashville, it had been a very long time. And um, <coughs> excuse me again, I was just really my parents went down maybe until that Monday, and we did a lot of stuff. We went to the symphony, saw Handel's Messiah. Mm -hmm. And also had a lovely dinner downtown, and I really was blessed that weekend. And uh, hey, I really appreciate if you've listened this far. I really appreciate you, and even if you haven't, if you forwarded ahead to just this moment, hey, thanks for even doing that. If any of this causes you to feel compelled in some way, let me know. My email, lilwhq at gmail.com. I appreciate the chance to connect further with anyone that listens to these podcasts. This fine music we're listening to is... Brought to us by Marley Carroll, musical artist. Uh, the name of this track, After Hours, from his album in 2018, Flight Patterns. <laughs> 